good morning. Man, it's so good to see all of you here with us this morning. My name is Brian. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Fusion City Church, and I'm really excited to introduce you guys today to week five of the series that we started about a month ago called Anxious for Nothing. Now, if this is your first time hanging out with us, you got to know something about Fusion City Church. Man, we really love new people. We love to see new faces and meet new people. And so if this is your first time hanging out with us today, I want to say a special welcome to you. We know you can pick a lot of places to spend your Sunday Sunday mornings. And the fact that you chose to come and spend that time with us here at Fusion means a lot to us. Uh, So much, in fact, we like to give you a gift just for showing up for your first time. Now, how you get that is if you'll take just a few minutes during your time with us today to fill out the bottom portion of your program. Uh, When you walked in, you got a program, the bottom portion of that, we call it a connection card. If you'll put just a little bit of information about yourself on there and then take it to the hub just inside the doors as you came in, we have a gift there for you. Again, just our way of saying thanks for hanging out with us. We're really, really glad that you're here. Now, if this is your first time, and I just told you that this is the, the, the fifth, and this is actually the, the last and final week in our Anxious for Nothing series. That doesn't mean that you've missed something that you're going to absolutely have to have to be able to engage today, so don't worry about that. But um, if you'd like to, to catch up and have a, a bit more context about what we're going to talk about today, I'd really encourage you to go listen to the podcast. You can find that on our website at fusioncitychurch.com and, and listen to the, the other messages in this series there. Now, what we've been talking about for, for the last four weeks, is how we overcome anxiety. All of us, none of us are exempt from anxiety. As a matter of fact, in week one, we said that the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. So we don't have to remain bound and, and weighed down and overwhelmed by our anxiety when it shows up. It's going to show up, but when it does, we don't have to stay there. And we learned in week two that we can become contagiously calm people, that the, the, the calm that God gives to his followers can become contagious to those that are around them. And we talked about this idea that, that when we come to God with our requests, right, that when we are, we're faithful to lay everything at his feet, that the God who loves us, that he has this tremendous control and peace that he can offer to us that goes beyond our understanding and it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ. And we talked about that week. That's where we ended and landed last week. Actually, I wanted to read uh, to you uh, some of the verses that we've been looking at in this series. They were mentioned in the intro video there just a moment ago. But we've read these together every week. And I told you guys, I'd highly encourage you to memorize this passage of Scripture, which is one of the reasons that I've read it to you every week. I hope they're just starting to sound very repetitive, like, okay, we get it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And like, I want it to be so repetitive and so that we read these words and hear these words and think about these words so much that they become part of who we are and how we think. So with that in mind, let's read it again. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. I'll read with passion, you listen with passion. Ready? Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, if, if you've been hanging out with us, not only here on Sunday mornings, but in our groups, we've been reading a book together that bears the title of this series, Anxious for Nothing, written by a man named Max Lucado. And in his book, Max Lucado theorizes, and I believe rightly so, that, that these verses make a nice acrostic that help us remember how to maintain calm in the midst of chaos and find peace in the midst of our difficult circumstances. And so we've been learning this together over the last four weeks as well, something that we're calling the acronym or the acrostic CALM. C, we are to celebrate God's goodness. Rejoice in the Lord always. Celebrate His goodness. Next is A, ask God for help by everything in prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God with thanksgiving, right? And then, and then leave your request with God. Leave your concerns with Him. That's the L, to, to leave it with Him. Don't carry it. God offers to carry it for us. And then lastly, and this will be the topic that we speak of today, we are to meditate on good things. Celebrate God's goodness. Ask God for help. Leave your concerns with him and meditate on good things, which is exactly what Paul tells us to do in in verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4. And he starts with this word. He starts with the word that ends things. Paul says, finally, brethren, in verse 8. But, but this, isn't just, this isn't just the culmination of the, the five verses that we've been reading together over the last several weeks, but it's the culmination of the whole letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. So, so also, if you, again, if you've been hanging out with us in our connect groups, and we hope that you are, we've been reading together the book of Philippians, otherwise known as the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. So in chapters 1 and in chapters 2 and in chapters 3 and now in chapter 4, Paul is laying out for us this framework for a spiritual stability, a spirituality that focuses on Christ, that finds encouragement and comfort from the one who's our provider, from the one who's our healer, from the one who cares for us, for the one who laid himself down that we might live in freedom from our sin. All of that Paul is laying out for us in this letter that he wrote to the Philippians. And then Paul says, at the end of his letter, as he comes to a close, Paul says, finally, brethren. And then he gives us these lists of virtues, lovely, pure, true, all of those things. He gives us this list, and we'll come back to those in a moment. He gives us this list, and then he says, meditate on these things. Now, that word meditate, if you look at it in the original language, it's the, the Greek word loisme. Loisme is the, the Greek word for it. It's, it's an imperative, meaning it's a command, it's directive. It's something that we are commanded to do. It is an imperative remark, this loisme. And the definition for it is to, to reason about, to, to ponder or to think about, and some other translations of Scripture will say, think about these things. As a matter of fact, even if you look at the word, and the first four letters there, or five letters there, you see a word that looks very familiar or very similar to an English word that we have, right? Logic. You see it? Logic. L-O-G-I, 
Z in the Greek, C for us in our English language. So in other words, here's what Paul is saying. That if we want to change our perspective, if we want to change the way that we deal with our anxiety, our stress, if we want to maintain this spiritual stability that he's been talking about in this entire letter to the church at Philippi, Paul says, finally, brethren, meditate, logic your way, think, use your brain and think about good things. See, the Bible is really clear. The Bible leaves no doubt that people's lives are the product of their thoughts. If you're taking notes today, you you might want to write this down. The Bible leaves no doubt that people's lives are the product of their thoughts. Let me show it to you in just a couple of places, just two verses in Scripture. Mark chapter 7, verse 23. Jesus, and he's given this whole list of all these things that, that are detrimental to a person's life. And then he says this in verse 23. He said, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. So what you think about has the potential to be devastating to you because all the evil, it comes from within. And not only does it have, can it have a negative effect, but how we think can have a positive effect. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, Paul says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your mind does that. The renewing of your mind helps you know the good, pleasing, and perfect, acceptable will of God. See, oftentimes I think that we get caught up in thinking that our faith is a matter of feeling. Because we put a high, a high value on how we feel. If I feel strongly enough about something, then it has to be true. Like my feelings would never lie to me. But we know that's not true, don't we? Don't we? I won't ask you to raise your hands for fear of being elbowed by your spouse. But I can't help but wonder how many of you are married to the first person that you said, I love you to. The first person and the only, right? Feelings can be wrong. So our faith is a matter of thinking as much, or I would argue even more so than it is a matter of feeling. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones famous theologian and scholar said this. He said, the Bible is full of logic and we must never think of faith as something purely mystical. The trouble with most people, however, is that they will not think. Instead of doing this, they sit down and ask, what's gonna happen to me? What can I do? That is the absence of thought. It is surrender. It is defeat. In his book, Max Licato said that our minds are like an airport, that, and of which we are the air traffic controllers. 
and our thoughts are the planes swirling around in our atmosphere. We are the ones who decide which planes land, how long they stay, and when they take off and leave us. We are to be the the controllers of our thoughts. We are to think about what we think about because what you think about matters. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But sometimes I struggle to determine which thoughts I should allow in and which thoughts I should discard and do away with. Like I struggle. Like I need a, I need a filter to kind of determine which thoughts that I, that I think about and which thoughts that I eject and discard from my life. Here's the great news. Paul gives us the filter, right? This is what he said, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. There's your filter. There's your list. There's how you know which thoughts to entertain and which ones to not. If you want to overcome anxiety, How many of you filled out a card in week one that, we, that got mailed back to you this week? Show of hands. How many, how many of you brought your cards with you? Do you have them? Did you bring them with you? Take them out if you got them. If you brought your cards, get, get them out. Get them out. We put a little sticker on the back that said, do not open until Sunday at 1030. And we just knew that you were going to be here on Sunday at 1030 because everybody always comes to church every Sunday at 1030, right? Okay, so good. So, so, so you have them. Here's what I want you to go ahead and open them. Now is your time. Open, open your card. Open your envelope. Inside is your card. You wrote it. You know what it says. All right. Just. Some of y'all open these like my, like my grandmother opens Christmas gifts. Come on, just rip it open. We want the card. Like we, I got to keep moving. All right, so here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to filter. I want you to look at your what ifs. This, for those of you who weren't with us in week one, this is what we did. We encouraged everybody here to write on an index card three what if statements that keep them awake at night. Three things that burden them with anxiety or worry or stress. And then we just, and then we put it in an envelope with your address. We mailed it back to them. You got it this week for those of you that, that have them. Here's what I want you to do. Your three things that worry you so much that it steals joy and sleep and rest and peace from your life. I want you to filter it through this list. And anything, anything on your list that doesn't fit this, I want you to draw a line through it. Okay? Now, if it worries you, let me go ahead and tell you right now. If it worries you, this list is going to wipe it out. So you shouldn't have, like, I'm going to give you the answer. You shouldn't have anything not crossed out at the end of this illustration. All right? So here we go. Look at your list. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it a lovely thought, this thing that keeps you awake at night? Is it of good report? Is it virtuous? And is it something that you are praising God for? See, as we begin to filter our thought life through this mechanism that helps us to overcome anxiety. 
we see that the things that keep us awake are things that we shouldn't even be thinking about at all. The what-ifs that we create are simply our worry about things that may or may not come true. Why in the world would we invest in something that, or invest our time and our worry and our thought life in something that's not even, it's not even a certainty? Why do we worry? But we do. We know that we shouldn't. We don't want to. We don't desire this worry and anxiety in our lives. So I want to give you an additional principle that, again, Max Lucado outlined in his book. It was very, it's made such an impact on me as we read it. And I just wanted to share the principle with you today, both from Scripture and in application. That the key, the key to thinking good thoughts, the key to thinking good things and being encouraged and overcoming anxiety, the key to thinking good is to be connected to something that is good, to surround yourself and infuse yourself with that which is good. It's the principle of, of abiding. Now, I don't know about you, but abiding is not a term that, that I use a lot. Abiding simply means somewhere that we stay or it's somewhere that we remain. In order for us to focus on and to think about things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, we need a consistent connection to the one who is all of those things. The one who is all of those things. And here's here's what I found remarkable, right? That list that Paul gives us. Jesus personifies all of it. Pure, noble, just, lovely, virtuous, of good report, and absolutely praiseworthy. So if we want to overcome anxiety, if we want to think about good things, we have one always go to, always there, always worthy of our thought, and his name. His name is Jesus. And he is worthy of our thoughts because he's always good. And when we can't find any other good thing to think about, because sometimes I get there too. Like I'm just so overcome and so overwhelmed by all the negative things that could garner my attention. I, I can't even, I, I can't even, I can't find a good thing to think about. Like my, I want my knee jerk and I want your knee jerk to be, I can't think of anything else good. I'm just going to think about Jesus. And I'm going to think about his work on the cross. And I'm going to think about salvation. And I'm going to think about my eternity. And I'm going to think about all the things that I have in Christ. And I'm, going to, I'm just going to stay right there until I have some clarity of thought to be able to think about anything else that's praiseworthy. I'm going to abide in him because that's exactly what he asked us to do. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Jesus speaking, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, I want to 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 stop right here for just a moment. If you are a non-fruit-bearing Christian, right? 
I don't want you to be scared by this verse that God will take you away. Jesus is not speaking here of the availability for you to lose your salvation. That this takes away also means to take up or to lift up. So in other words, as you fall, as you wane, as you struggle to be a fruit-bearing Christian, God lifts you up out of the dirt and puts you back near the vine. It means to, to lift up. He takes away or takes up. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he, he lifts up. He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. Now, this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. There is so much in here to unpack. So is one of my favorite illustrations of Jesus. There's so much in here to unpack. We, we don't have time. That's a whole other, that's like a message series on, on, on these five verses. But, but I want to point out just a couple of things for our purposes today as it pertains to our abiding in him, our desire to think good thoughts because what we think about matters. Now, number one, lifts up and prunes that you might bear more fruit. Here, here's the thing. The trials in our life, the trials in our life may be the source of our anxiety until we have the ability and the opportunity to shift our perspective, to shift our focus. Jesus, as he was teaching this, was talking in reference to like a grapevine. And here's what he's saying, is that for every one of us, for every person who is a branch, these are the branches, the things with the leaves, the things that bear the grapes, these are the branches. Jesus was saying that every branch, every branch of me is going to be pruned so that it may bear more fruit. The trials in your life, are not God's anger at you. Your difficult circumstances. It's not because you have failed. In every circumstance. Sometimes God disciplines us when we fall short. But here's what I want us to see. That the process of pruning is the process of cutting away Leaves, healthy leaves. The process of pruning. Like if, if a, a vine dresser was going to prune this, they may very well take away some of the leaves so that more sunlight and airflow could get to the grapes. Like they, they may cut away some healthy and good things so that the fruit produced would be greater, would be better, would be of higher quality. Here's why I say this. For all of us in this room, God may very well take away some things that seem like they are good things so that you can bear more fruit, so that you can bring more glory and honor to God. God prunes those who are already bearing fruit. Hear me, this is not for the dead. This is not the dead thing that God is trying to bring back to life. This is the live thing that Jesus is trying to make more alive, healthier, stronger, more vibrant, more fruit. 
pruning is painful, but it's necessary. Here's what I want us to see. Some of the trials that you experience are just God's pruning. Does it hurt? Absolutely. Is it hard? (laughs) Yeah. God, hear me, God may hurt you a little, but God will never harm you unnecessarily. We tracking? Do your heads like this. God may hurt you. He will never harm you unnecessarily. And so that hurt that you've experienced, that heartache, that stressor, there's great potential that God desires to use those things to grow your faith so that you may produce more fruit. Because that is what he desires of us, our fruit. Number two, the second thing that I want to see in this passage In verse 3, Jesus says, you are already clean. You're already clean because of the word that I preached to you. And then the first word in verse 4 is abide. You are already clean because of the word that I preached to you. Therefore, abide. Here's all that Jesus is saying in John 15 verses or verses 3 and 4. What Jesus is trying to get across to us here is that our relationship with God is contingent upon our connection to Jesus. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You're already clean. You're already a branch. You already belong to the vine. You're already under the control of the vine dresser. You are already being cared for and yet you might be pruned from time to time because the vine dresser is trying to get more of you or more from you. But you are connected to the vine and that makes you a branch. Now, I don't know how much you know about grapevines. I knew very little about grapevines until I studied this for the first time. See, I always thought that the thing that produces the grapes that this is the vine. As a matter of fact, if you go on Amazon, you type in grape vine, you're going to get grape branches. Because even Amazon and Google doesn't know what a grape vine is. They're going to show you the branches. But in order for you to find the vine, you have to shift your gaze to much lower, to the thick tree-like thing that comes out of the ground that supplies nutrients and nourishment to the branches. The branches grow out of the vine. And if the vine isn't healthy, the branches don't grow. Here is the responsibility of the branch, right? The branch, if it wants to bear fruit, it just has to be connected to the vine. And if it wants to bear more fruit, then the vine dresser may trim away some things. It may get more airflow to the grapes so that they can be sweeter and better and of higher quality. But the, but the, the goal, the goal of life is not the fruit bearing. Hear me. The goal of your life, the responsibility that you own as a believer is not to bear fruit. Bearing fruit is the result. The goal is not to bear fruit. The goal is to abide. Because you're a branch. What do branches do? Branches abide. Branches remain in the vine. You can write that down. The goal of life, your goal is not to bear fruit. The goal is to abide. That's what you're responsible for. Listen, hear me, look at me. You want to bear fruit? 
then abide. Jesus said, you're already clean. You're already a branch. You already belong to me. You're already mine. I'm already here for you. I already care for you. I already have everything that you need to bear fruit. Here's what I want you to do because you're a branch. Abide in me. I'm the vine. You're just a branch. I'll make you feel good about yourself. Whew. What did pastor tell y'all today? I'm a stick. I can't even grow on my own. I'm just, I'm just a branch. Man, it's good to be a branch when you're connected to Jesus divine, isn't it? Because here's, here's the promise, right? Let's, here, here's the promise. Hey, branch, if you will abide, if you'll just remain, if you'll just stay connected to the vine, you will bear much fruit. See, you and I, I think what we tend to do, we get all excited about our fruit bearing. Look what I did. I served. I gave. I helped that person. I gave money to that. I sacrificed for this. I did that. Look at my fruit. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. Your goal is not to bear fruit. Did, did you know that even, even branches that grow along the ground, they can grow fruit? Even branches that are, that, that, that are cut away from the vine for a short period of time will continue to bear fruit. But the only healthy fruit are the ones that come from a branch that remains connected to the vine. Here's all I'm saying. Be who you are. Do what you were designed to do. What were you designed to do, branch? You were designed to abide in the vine. And then he, through you, will produce fruit. You are going to be a fruit-bearing branch as long as you're in the vine. But you've got to be in the vine. Because that's who you are. Hashtag be a branch. You're a branch. Your only responsibility, listen, listen, you can't, you can't miss this. Your only responsibility is to abide in the vine. The vine is the hero in the story. Don't, don't miss this. Everything that we've read over the last four weeks together, everything, all of it, it all centers around the vine. It centers around Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Look what Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord. That's Jesus. Always. Let me say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all of understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus. Right? He's in it again. Through Jesus. Will guard your hearts and minds. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, just, noble, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, Jesus is all of those things. And Jesus said, you're mine. 
You belong to me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. You want to be healthy? Spiritually? Maybe physically? It's never promised. You want to, you want to reduce anxiety in your life? You want to find peace in the midst of calamity? Do you want to find calm in the midst of chaos? Do you want less stress? Do you want a better life? Do you want abundance spiritually in your life? Then it starts, belongs, and ends with your connection to Jesus. And the Jesus to whom you are connected says this. I have come that they might have life. Have it abundantly. You are mine. I am yours. Abide. Be who you are. You're a branch, but man, it's great to be a branch when you're connected to Jesus divine. So here's what I want to do I'm going to pray. So if you would, bow with me, right where you sit. Would you just offer this prayer to Jesus this morning? Jesus, I want to abide in you. Jesus, I want to belong to you. I know that apart from you, Jesus, I can do nothing. So this morning, right now, right where I sit, Jesus, I surrender. All that I am to all that you say that I am. I don't want to try and be more, and I certainly don't want to be any less. But Jesus, I want to be everything that your word tells me that I am when I am connected to you. Because I believe that only when I'm connected to you will I be the fruit-bearing Christian Christ follower that you've called each of us and desire each of us to be. God, for those in the room this morning that don't have a relationship with you, Father, for all of those in this room right now that may not be connected to your son, the vine, God, I pray that you would move powerfully in their hearts and minds this morning, that they would know that the, the secret that they've been looking for, the source that they've been chasing after to find peace, to find joy, to find hope, God, they are going to find it nowhere else than in your son, Jesus. God, I pray that you would convict and that you would move, that they might be compelled today for the very first time to place themselves under the banner, love and the care of your son Jesus because God apart from him apart from him we can do nothing God we need you and we need your son God help us to press in to that truth
We love you, God. We thank you for the offer of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.